Good morning, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Culture Shock Podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and today I am fresh off the set of a completed film that I've been shooting up in upstate New York. Uh, there may be a slight bit of weariness in my voice, not to worry. Uh, it's just the result of a, a long shoot, but a very fun one. So I want to thank all the cast and crew who's made my experience out here in upstate New York so enjoyable. And I'm looking forward to getting back to the West Coast and doing many more episodes there. Uh, so thank you all. I will let you know as I'm able to share information about the name of the film, where you can watch it, all that good stuff in the coming weeks and months. But for now, let's get to our guest, director Jax Mandel. And Jax has been on the show before uh, talking about her independent film career. But this time, we want to talk about a podcast she launched called Movies, Monsters, and Myths, um, originally meant to show sort of the behind the scenes of the inner workings of film, it has sort of morphed into a platform to share information, court documents, and frankly truth about the upcoming Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial in Fairfax, Virginia. Um, Jax has been a proponent of supporting Johnny Depp in these proceedings based on the information available. And I think that she and her co-host Laura do a great job of breaking things down and explaining some, you know, complicated court documents in a way that is easy for folks to understand. When these cases often come up, there's an emotional knee-jerk reaction that can occur, and sometimes, you know, rightfully so. But I think as more uh, information has come to light, it has uh, offered a new perspective than the one that we're generally asked to accept. And so uh, I think it's very brave of Jax to put herself in a position where she oftentimes has to face criticism and trolls based on an opinion which is rooted in her truth and the truth as she understands it and the truth as many folks understand it as they read the court documents. Uh, and so I really appreciate and and um, applaud her bravery in being able to speak boldly in spite of criticisms and to share what she feels and what, like I said, many of us feel is the right, uh, the right side of truth. And so I want to thank her for her time and perspective. I want to thank you all for joining us. And without further ado, my guest today, talking about The Road to Fairfax, Jax Mandel. Start going. Exactly. So, of course. <laughs> of course. Well, thank you for coming on again. Last time you were on the podcast, we talked predominantly about your your directing work and career, uh, and we just sort of lightly touched on the Johnny Depp case uh, and some of your involvement with that. Since that time, though, we are very close to the trial actually occurring for real this time. For real hopefully, this time. Hopefully no additional delays. Hopefully not. I think we're going to make it this time. So so let's talk about the podcast. So you launched Movie Myths and Monsters, and you've been doing a series of podcasts within that moniker uh, with Laura, who is a fellow um, supporter of Johnny Depp on Twitter, right. uh, called The Road to Fairfax. Yeah, the podcast originally launched early in 2021 um, with my friend Christina. We decided to do a podcast, um, but that sort of life got in the way and we had to put it away for a while. And towards the end of last year, Laura approached me and, and asked if I wanted to do this with her, this Road to Fairfax series to kind of give this huge overview and gear up for the trial in Virginia. Of course, I was like, yeah, let's do it because I knew that we could break down all the incidents, break down everything that Amber Heard says, everything Johnny Depp says, and and sort of deliver these chunks of information um, to people in a way that was easily digestible. So we decided to do it and it's been quite a journey. 
I was going to say, I would imagine, I mean, just, just as a, a casual observer of, of everything that's going on, um, the time that it takes to read the documents, yeah. to sort of look beyond just the headlines, it's, it's, it requires not only uh, the time consumption to actually read, but then to try to, you know, self-analyze what you're reading and trying to look between the lines for you all to then take that work that you would do by yourself and then break it down further so that anyone who listens could understand, I would assume is it could be your entire new job. Yeah, um, it pretty much is. I have to say that Laura does a lot of the like researching part as far as we decide what the episode is going to be about. And then she goes and pulls all the documents, all the testimony, everything that we need to do the podcast. I am very fortunate, <laughs> I'll say, because I have retained so much of it in my head that mm-hmm. I don't really need to read it while we're recording, <laughs> um, which I'm not sure what that says about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't just remember all this stuff, but um, we have, a, I think we have a good working system because then it does really take me a very long time to edit them um, and make sure that everything sounds good and is deliverable to the outside world. Um, so I think that we have a good, a good system going for sure but no it's it's quite a challenge and it's extremely extremely emotionally taxing um going all back through the stuff and especially now that we've been getting into some of the alleged incidents that amber claims and just the way that she talks and how much she talks right. um and what she says and then also what johnny says it's very tiring yesterday we recorded for the australia incident and literally when we signed off, I turned off my computer and I went to take a nap. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Now, so obviously the trial is coming up. When is the exact date set? The trial begins on March 11th, which is, a, I mean, excuse me. The trial begins on April 11th, which is a Monday. Um, and it goes until May 6th, which is Mother's Day weekend. Then there's a week off and then it resumes again on the 16th until the 27th of May. Wow. So about a... Um two-month trial almost a month and a half trial yeah yeah and we're at the time of this recording just shy of a one month exactly from when it launches yep exactly it's coming up very fast so are you planning on doing uh your the the sort of the road to fairfax series leading up to the uh trial date and then switch it to more of a um response to what's going on in the trial um the plan for right now is to continue the the series up to the trial and then we're going to kind of see what information we're able to get. Like, we're not so sure if we're going to be able to get the transcripts and everything like we did with London. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of have to see what information comes out. Cause what we'd really like to do is obviously report on the trial. Sure. Um, but if we're not able to get as much as we want, um, it just kind of depends. We'll probably continue what we've been doing and then do like in our hot topic section, whatever comes out of the trial, it just kind of depends on what information is available when I, I, uh, what was the gentleman's name who was covering the trial in the UK? Nick, something Nick yeah, Wallace. Nick Wallace. Mm-hmm. I saw that he was launching some sort of uh, crowdsourcing thing so that he could do the same kind of reporting that he'd been doing on the London trial or the UK trial rather uh, in the States. Yes. It looks like he is trying to come over. I guess he said he's got a visa um, and whatever he needs to to get over to the U S but he needs somewhere to stay. And he's trying, yeah, it looks like he's trying to come to the trial, which would be, uh, 
I can't say it'll be the same as the London trial because I know that you're not allowed to live tweet or, or use any sort of electronic devices in the courtroom in Virginia. So I'm not sure how that reporting would go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure that he would provide as much information as possible. So, Yeah, and it would at least be sort of a trusted source and, and someone who has experience doing this. So I would imagine that even if he's not able to live tweet, he could at least take you know the, the right kind of notes that that kind of information would be able to translate in a meaningful way. I, I found that his note-taking and, and tweeting during the UK trial was immensely eye-opening as to yes. how the proceeding carries on. And not only just the information, but the way that the different um, legal teams, their strategies uh, in right. – in their approach. It felt like in the UK trial, Depp's team was very factual and just trying to stick to a script. Whereas um, I felt like the Suns trial team, in my opinion, seemed to really go overboard to shape a narrative yes, I agree. Uh, about su- surrounding everything that was said. And Yeah, because they had know, no evidence. <laughs> right. But I wonder, I wonder if maybe, you know, in, in hindsight, given that they won that trial, if that wasn't maybe the better approach or maybe if there was something learned from that, because it did feel as I was reading those transcripts that they were, they were able to control how everything was spun. They were able to control it. I mean, in my personal opinion, the judge was completely compromised. I don't think there's any way on earth that, especially going back through the whole entire thing right now with Laura and Mm -hmm. all the transcripts and, and the judgment and everything. I don't think there's any way that any sane person reads all that crap. And then reads the judgment and goes, oh, yeah, this totally makes sense. I mean, yesterday there was this whole thing about where uh, Amber's got a nurse making notes for her saying, you know, our client, client Amber Heard um, uh, says that she's got anxiety and she's upset because her husband's away working. And the judge goes into this thing and says, well, Amber said that this note was actually about Johnny and he's the one that's anxious. And I, I believe that. Yeah. You know, just things that are totally really batshit. Obviously, I was paraphrasing what was said, but that's what was said. Um, And you're just going, what? Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, one of the things that really stood out to me about that trial was it felt like there was once you at least once you read the verdict and how it was phrased, um, because there was no evidence that I could see whatsoever that that would any sane person could say that it led to I think it was the number was 12 or something. Yeah, 12 incidents of domestic abuse, unless it was domestic abuse from Amber towards Johnny, right. um, in which case it would probably be way more. But right. but it, it, it felt like like I had prepared myself for the possibility that he might say the son because it was again, it was Johnny Depp suing the son, not Amber Heard, mm-hmm. that maybe the son based on what she had shared with them reasonably could feel like it was they, they, they you know, I'm not saying they didn't lie, but Oh yeah, maybe, no, I totally understand. Yes. And I agree. Yeah. But, but the fact that he didn't just say that the judge actually went further and, and tried to validate her claims based on nothing, which was not relevant to the trial yes. um, to me, spoke volumes about where their head was at and whether it's a, a compromise because of, uh, I believe their son works for their son or, um, you know, the, I, there were some other there were some other sort of family connections with different um, uh, groups in, in the UK. I think it was like his wife maybe was on some chair or something. I forget what it was exactly. But there might be personal reasons why someone comes in with a with a certain bias. Right. 
you know, and, and there are certain people who will certainly just believe that one type of person is incapable of lying and other types of people are, are well-known liars. And therefore it doesn't really matter where the truth lies because this preconceived bias exists and therefore sure. cannot be shattered. No, I agree with that. I think that this is more than that. Um, like I said, if you, oh my God, <laughs> this, is, this is a dog friendly show. So we, if folks, if you hear a very cute dog in the background, it's okay. They're just chiming in their opinion, which is just as valid as ours. Hilarious. He's very vocal. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that, that this is pretty egregious, you know, when you read the whole thing, especially now reading it for, I don't know, a third or fourth time in detail for the podcast it's really upsetting um and you can really there were pains taken to make things make sense that did not make sense yeah judges really they're not supposed to do that and things that are said are are just above and beyond causing more pain than needs to be caused you know yeah yeah and that's really the sad part because again like I said, it, it felt like that in that trial, the judge didn't just weigh in on whether or not the son was uh, knowingly culpable for spreading a lie, but but they decided to to uh, white knight, rescue the damsel in distress kind of yeah. nonsense. And to your, to your point, it, it does cause more harm. And I, and I think that's one of the things that really has caught my attention with this trial, because it's, it's not just about a celebrity and, a, and, and what happened or didn't happen. It's it's about um, as a society how we view people. It's it's the families that are involved yeah. in this. It's it's his children. It's his friends. It's his fans. It's the everything and um, and it and it bleeds beyond just this one particular trial. It bleeds sure. beyond this sort this sort of mindset, the zeitgeist that um, that women, in particularly white women who are blonde haired and beautiful young yeah. women, starlets are incapable of lying. And uh, hist- history doesn't bear that to be true. I mean, everyone is capable of lying. Totally. Um, your, your, your sexual preference or your gender preference, I don't think absolves you from the ability to lie. I'm a big fan of the TV show house. And so I believe that everybody lies. Sure. And um, this sort of mindset that, that some folks are just beyond that or worse, what I've seen. And we kind of saw this play out, with the Jesse Smollett case, wherein some people feel like it doesn't matter if they're lying because yeah. there's a there's a historical basis for them for this particular demographic to be treated unfairly, which is historically accurate. Um, and but but based true, on but if you do something wrong, like I mean the 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 guy was convicted of multiple felonies, you ha- you have to be held accountable for that. And yeah, and in that instance, I I frankly felt like he got a light sentence, right? You know, and we talked about Christina earlier, and you know she got. I saw some very vile comments directed yes. her way for just just commented on the facts, which is that he broke the law, right? And he was punished, frankly, fairly lightly. I felt. I mean, yeah. was it like thirty days in jail. Oh, it's five some... months actually. Oh, five months. Okay, you know, decent. But you know, I was expect. You know, it, you very well could, based on on how this all played out, could have gone a year or more. Sure. You know, yeah, and, and the I, using of police resources, the lying to the police officers, the massive, you know, sort of manhunt that they launched to try and find these people, and the whole thing was fake. And yeah, that, that's and, horrifying. And let's be honest, five months in jail, once you add in pro- uh, uh, probation, it probably goes down to like two months. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, oftentimes these folks get early releases anyway, if he can just uh, behave himself. So, 
you know, it, it speaks to our larger mindset that seems to be existing in the zeitgeist, which is that these folks are bad. These folks are good. Uh, it doesn't really matter what the truth is anymore. Yeah. It just matters what these broad strokes say. And then if you, and I'm sure you've experienced this, I know you have, if you say anything to the contrary of what is popularly acceptable, you're branded as some sort of traitor best case scenario or worse. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely in the tumbles, my tumbles on Twitter, for sure. I mean, tons of, I just a misogynist and why do you hate your own kind? And oh my God, so many comments. And it's like, dude, this is like, don't buzzword me. First of all, I don't care. I do <laughs> not care. You will not affect me in any sort of way. And you're delusional if you don't think that this happens. Yeah. You know? And yeah, if you I... look like the, people refuse to look at the evidence, you know, that you see people out there just spewing nonsense all the time and you try to say, hey, go, here's the trial. You can read the whole trial. And then you get blocked and you're like, dude, like you, you cannot exist within a bubble. You want... Everyone wants victims to have their day, right? No one ever wants a victim to not be heard, to not be believed. But when you do things like this, where it's so obviously clear that Amber Heard is lying about Johnny Depp and he is the victim, you are hurting people. Yeah. Now you are hurting victims because you are trying to perpetuate a narrative because you just want to live inside this bubble that is so terrifying to pop, but it you must pop it because no matter what now Amber Heard has done infinite amounts of damage mm -hmm. to female victims, right? Now we see it all the time. Somebody comes up and abuses, you know, some um, famous man or whatever of abuse. And, and, and there are instantly questions. Yeah. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be questions. Of course, we got to this point by asking questions about Amber. But just there's an instant pile on of, oh, don't be so quick because look at Amber Heard. That's damage. Yeah. Well, and not only that, let's let's move it beyond the world of celebrity, right? Because yeah. we hear about that. We can see and we can hear about those instances. But let's let's consider the fact that in real life, you know, when when people don't have the spotlight on them, when they don't have their voices amplified, yes. when, when someone comes forward and... and is brave enough to confront their abuser or to call out for help or um, to make the move necessary to remove themselves from harm's way. And then based on the actions of, of one or two narcissists in the mainstream yeah. celebrity world, their, their cries for help may go unanswered or at very minimum um, questioned or, or, um, or not, not, uh, not given a fair treatment, not given mm -hmm. fair, fair um, understanding because folks can see the the reverse of this, which, by the way, has always existed. This is not a new thing. The, the idea that people have made false claims of abuse, be it from a man, a woman, a, a person of color, a, a Caucasian, it doesn't matter. This is historically oh, yes. existed forever. I'm a memorial. Yes. <laughs> you know. Um, but it does, it is, that's the impact. I think that people overlook beyond the fact that there is an actual victim in this instance, yes. and this victim is being victimized continuously by going through these trials and having to clear their name and whatever impact it's had on their career and their family and all the, and the personal well-being. but there's a larger impact. And the larger impact that is that if we allow folks to abuse 
the few paths that marginalized voices have to find some form of justice. If we allow grifters and narcissists to abuse those methods, then those methods close up. Yeah. And and now you have no source to get help or to get out of a bad situation. Yeah, for sure. And if you I think, you know, the the community on Twitter, the the Johnny Depp community on Twitter, so many of them are survivors of various forms of abuse. And you see them. There are so many stories. I mean, I've just read infinite amounts of stories about them escaping their abusers, what they've gone through, the things that they suffered, and so many times not getting justice for one reason or another. And there is such a feeling of living vicariously through him. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just, you want it so badly for them, not only for him, but for for them. Um, And it's really, it's very impactful. And it's this huge thing of like the the whole situation is so much bigger than just Johnny Depp when you look at it through that perspective. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like boiling right down to him because he has the ability to make it a mainstream topic. Yeah. Yeah. I think also, you know, I was talking to some friends yesterday about this is that there's the last five to six years have been really tough. Really tough. You know, I mean, you, you, you look at, you look at just the world as it as it unfolded, and, and I'm not taking I'm not taking a side as to what belief versus another belief, but just sure. hot topic issues like the Donald Trump presidency, yep. Black Lives Matters, um, COVID, yep, um, Me Too. Um, I mean, these are the, the war in Ukraine. These are huge, huge world attention grabbing moments, and um, in many instances, folks feel really unpowered to do anything about it other than to take a side and complain online. Sure. And um, I think that it speaks to a larger injustice that we feel and a larger displacement that we feel in our society, wherein we have the ability for right to be carried out, for justice to be carried out, for the good guys, quote unquote, to win once in a while. We just feel like this is dogpiling of shitty moments after shitty moments that just keep happening. And again, it doesn't matter which side you're on because you probably feel the same way, right? Right, of course. If you're so so in this feeling of nothing is going our way, like things just keep getting worse. Gas prices are through the roof. You know, you can just pile on all these things. Yeah. Everything prices are through the roof. Yeah. If you just if you look at the if you look at the way society is obviously feeling over the last five to six years, this case has kind of spawn that time period almost exactly oh yeah and so it feels like i would imagine i I think i could speak for myself on this that part of what you're what we're hoping for when we are hoping for justice to be prevailed is we're is we're hoping that for once in this last five to six years something can just kind of go the way it should go like it shouldn't have never got to this point but like can we at least get one win just it's a a nominal win like it's not even going to affect the most of us in any personal way in any big way but just symbolically can we just see someone please get treated fairly and get what you know the 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 just i keep using the word justice but it's the best word for it the justice that they deserve in this scenario no i totally agree i think that that's super accurate and it is i don't want to call it a small a small thing in the grand scheme because of, you know, like I already mentioned all the people who have shared their stories and what they've been through. It's not a small thing. Um, but yes, in comparison to 
wars and uh, prices and and crazy just division amongst the whole world for sure it is it does feel like yeah can we just get can we just get this win just one little win man that's what we want yeah yeah and by the way i'm sure on the i'm sure you know again uh not that i'm sure that i'm not sure that it's owed but just to be fair to the other side i'm sure in their mind that's what they want as well i think that's i think we're we're very much driven by ideology yeah for sure and and so many of these instances and emotion and I think that's one of the problems that that I'm sure you deal with all the time online, which is that you're trying to present facts. Yes. You're just trying to say, hey, look, look at the data. Look and read for yourself. Use your brain. Right. Take your emotions out of it. Just just read it and use your common sense. And put yourself in these positions and ask yourself if you could remove your 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 personal bias. Realistically, what do you think the outcome is? And I think if folks can do that, and the folks who have done that tend to be the folks who side with with depths. Uh, you know, claims on what occurred. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, emotion is a strong motivator and it's hard to get people to get away from that. I do think that there are just plainly a lot of bad actors too, trolls, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's, it is certainly, I, and I can understand emotions because there are arguments to be made about women not being treated fairly for, you know, decades and, and what women have gone through as far as suffrage and, and getting the vo- the rights to vote and just the rights to anything. Um, but that doesn't mean that women can't perpetrate acts of violence or be the bad guy in a situation. And whether you think that it happens frequently or not, it does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it does, you have to do the right thing and hold that person accountable because otherwise you just do continuous gen- damage to the cause overall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think I've said this before on the podcast. I mean, I'm not holding any grudge against it. It was an act of emotion, but I was struck by a partner who was female, Yeah, you know, quite hard. I mean, again, I'm bigger in size and I'm not, I'm not holding any, I'm not trying to claim abuse or anything. It was a, a, a it was in the heat of an argument and, sure. and she reacted and, um, but to pretend that that can't occur is just, it's ludicrous because oh, it can, sure. Yeah, it can. And, and it does. Yeah, and uh, you know, through this journey, I I would say that most of the people that inter- that I interact with on Twitter are female, um, the vast majority. But you know, last year I was trying to set up a, a documentary and talking to my friends about, you know, let's go do this thing. And through talking to my regular um, DP, he he started opening up, saying, "Yeah, yeah, you know, my my ex girlfriend, she used to beat me up, She'd be punching me in the face, and all this stuff." And it was just like an organic part of the conversation. I was like, "Let's go set up this movie." And obviously through the content of what the documentary is about, he was just started telling me what was going on. Um, and I knew her, I knew her very well. He's one of my best friends. And I was like, Oh my God, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so this stuff, it's out there and it's not infrequent. Well, there's a shame associated with it, right? Oh, absolutely. Especially on the, well, the shame, if you're a victim of abuse, there tends to be shame attached no matter what your gender is. But I, I, I can only speak for, um, what I know, and that is that a lot of men I, that I know, and, and, and including myself, have gone through some form of abuse one way or another. And yeah. we're because we're taught to just sort of suck it up yeah. or that you're a, you know, a quote unquote a pussy if you admit that, you know, you're being either verbally, physically, sexually abused, um, then you just you just keep it quiet. You oh, know? yeah. Like I've been taken advantage of drunk by a woman. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, like I said earlier, I've been hit now again in the grand scheme of things, there are going to be people who listen to this and they're gonna be like, well, go fuck yourself because this happens to women all the time. And you, you ultimately right. were fine. 
And ultimately, I was fine. That is true. But these things still did exist. And, and it's I, not a contest. Right. And the, and I largely kept it quiet. You know, I didn't I didn't I didn't form any ac- you know accusations towards anyone. I just thought, I guess I just have to shoulder this and I put it on my back and and kept onward. And I think a lot of people do that, both men and women, frankly. Yeah. And I think that this is not intended to be um, just talking about men's side of abuse. I mean, I think this applies to women as well, that we need to get past this point of suffering and silence. Yes. And we should speak out and we should speak out with truth and we should speak out with facts and we should um, set aside some of our emotions so that we can allow those truths to be heard. No, I totally agree. Um, and just like it will come with the territory as we've seen with me, me too, that you're going to get bad actors and people who make false claims. And then the important thing is to not let them get away with that. So yeah. that more damage doesn't continue for the people who need really need to speak out. Right. Right. I, 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 I'm kind of 50, 50 on Joe Rogan, but he said something a long time ago that I, that always resonated with me. He was talking about vegans, which mm-hmm. I am. So right. I always love when Joe's opinions on vegans comes up. Um, <laughs> but he he said, you know, he was making the point. Someone made a point that he, you know, he's always making fun of vegans, which he is. Um, and he said, look, I don't really hate vegans. Uh, he's like, um, most of them are perfectly fine folks. He's like, but any movement where you where there's no where anyone can join. Right. Mm-hmm. There's there's no gatekeeping. Anyone can be a vegan if they want to you just have to make the choice. Right. You're going to get some assholes. It's just the nature of the, and this goes yeah. for any, any group, right? Anything uh, we could talk about the film community. We could talk about uh, me too. We could talk about the magic community. We could talk about veganism. We could talk about CrossFit. I mean, I could just name oh, for sure any genre of subculture in the world. And if it's open for anyone to join, assholes will find their way in. Grifters will find their way in. And if there's money to be made or oh, fame yeah. to be caught or attention, those folks will be drawn in in any industry any subdivision any subculture that is just the nature of the beast and so we have to recognize those bad actors and we have to recognize those people who are um, perpetrating a grift within something that was designed to be liberating yes absolutely no i totally agree i think that's accurate yeah, and it's unfortunate, and that, that that's really what this comes down to is this muddying of something that was meant to be a movement to elevate marginalized voices. Yes, for good, obviously. Yes, and it, and people have turned it into a circus, and there's a lot of bad coming out of it due to a few people, and now, you know, it's almost like ruined what what originally started as something really, really good. Yeah, and I mean, I think we look at Times Up as a perfect example of how this was just. Um, People yeah. people got into this to to remove it from its original intention and to make a business out of it. You know, absolutely. I've joked. Uh, me and my friends have talked about this before. We're all you know in the, in the society of the spectacle. Any movement will eventually get absorbed by the spectacle, get defanged, and sold at your local Target. So, uh, Pride movements, which starts as a riot, becomes Pride TM sold at Target, which. Uh, yeah. you know, uses child labor overseas, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or right. Black Lives Matter, same thing. Black Lives Matter, there was a giant BLM that was painted on Hollywood Boulevard, I think it was, uh, on the same day that, you know, uh, trans folks were getting beat up, beat up on the street by police there. You know, yeah. so a lot of these movements that start very counterculture get very quickly absorbed, defanged, 
become rudderless, become yeah. corporatized, exactly. And and it adds to. I think you you said it so succinctly. It becomes a circus, and it loses all in uh, initial intention. Yeah, and it the, it loses its merit just by the nature of of just getting blown totally out of whack from the original thing that it started as. Yeah, yeah, and so I think that's that that to me leads to much of the passion behind this movement, you know, because it's, again, it's not just about an actor and his former wife and their spats. It's like, it's symbolic of a larger systematic problem that we're, that we see all the time. For sure. You know, where like the moment or moment a marginalized group starts to get a foothold in, it gets taken in some weird, wacky direction. And then the people it was initially designed to help, are the ones who benefit usually the least. Yeah. And it, it's to the point now where basically like you can just ruin somebody's life with a post on Instagram saying, Oh, he slapped me. Or, you yeah. know what I mean? Um, just because like you decided, Oh, you know what? I'm going to make this person have a bad day. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I go do. to the, if something really happened, like you call, you need to call the authorities. This is like, I just, I think that's part of, what goes into now so many people being disbelieved is like, why are you posting this on Instagram? And I, and I do want to say, I understand that sometimes people don't have another option maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and that's their best way to sort of let the world know, or at least let somebody know. Um, but when you get into sort of high profile people and you're like, I'm just going to dunk on this person on social media, that in itself, I think causes people to ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had a friend, I was, um, you know, the moment you say anything about cancel culture, people just automatically put you in a box and what have you, but, but taking away the buzzwords, um, making an accusation towards someone, it does not, does not, um, does not guarantee guilt or, or even, you know, I could say anything about anyone, right? Right. There's a famous old joke. When was the last time you beat your wife or what's the, what's the, how's the phrase go? Like, um, uh, have you stopped beating your wife? I think is yeah. the way is the phrase. Like, there's no way to answer that successfully, right? You've right. been you've been boxed in, right? Um, but when you, but I was talking about that. I was talking about cancel culture and canceling and and sort of this 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 sort of mob justice that's that sort of become the standard. And I had a friend uh, who's a sex worker and say, look, you know, good points, but also remember, like for people like me, I can't go to the police, right? You know, I can't go to the authorities. So this is the only avenue. So I think it's important to note that like in some instances, many, maybe even oh, many instances sure. going on to social media or a public platform is for some folks, the only way to try to achieve some semblance of safety or help right. or whatever it may be, or to a very minimum. I've seen this happen a lot, like for women in particular who are um, photographer or uh, who do photography, right. Or models or what have you. Oh, and yeah. there's like creepy photographers who act inappropriately and things yeah. of that nature. And, um, there's avenues by which they can warn other folks to, Hey, don't shoot with this person because right. they're liable to be inappropriate. And I think that's a great thing. Yes. Uh, no, I but agree with that for sure. It's so hard in the static of everything yep. to hear those, but not other things, Yeah. you know, and, well, and that's, yeah. that's really the largest issue, right? Because it gets, because the celebrity stuff is the stuff that's going to perpetrate the airwaves. And, and, and the folks who are, again, the, the people who really need the voices amplified, they get pushed down to the very bottom and not heard or mixed in with the Amber Herds of the world. Yeah, no, it's totally true. Um, that was sort of why I, 
I expanded on my statement about like when you have high profile people just going straight to social media, those like people like Amber, people like Evan Rachel Wood, whatever you have the ability to call the police, you know, Mm -hmm. you're away from this person. Um, And I certainly understand sort of regular people who don't have outlets or like you said, your friend's a a sex worker. That's very difficult to have a good relationship with the police. Um, Yeah, of course you, when you want somebody to know that's a cry for help. Um, but there are certainly a lot of instances where it's like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say this and see what happens, you know. And the <laughs> presumption of innocence has completely gone out the window. I mean, you see it in sports, you see it in entertainment, you see it all over the place. It's like, uh, just instant uh, guillotine. Yeah, it's a tough thing again because again, it's led by emotion, right? Right. And you know, we talked a little bit about how the Depp and Heard case and everything surrounding it has has merged into other areas and you mentioned you mentioned evan rachel wood and i know you don't you haven't spent the time on that case like you have on this case but i think we can at very minimum we can look at it and we can we can make a commentary that it is clearly being affected by this case yeah and from the little bit that i have read i think that if you if it turns out to be accurate and true that there was an impersonation of a federal officer and a forgery of of federal documents, um, that's really bad. Yeah. You know, everything else aside, everything that else alone. aside that alone really damages your overall case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if, even if everything else is accurate, that is a criminal act in and of itself. And then it's sure. a federal one, once again, to your point, um, when you have the kind of resources that someone like her or like a Jesse Smollett would have, like, yeah, why, why stoop to that level of deception to prove a point? You know, again, I don't know terribly much about the Jesse Smollett thing, um, in terms of at least what occurred before the the, the falsified incident, right, right, right. But it, it seems like the claim was that he had been experiencing some sort of racist letters, and he felt maybe that they were falling on deaf ears. And so he decided to find a way to get back at folks for that. Or I really don't understand what his mindset was. I'm not I sure he knows either. what his mindset was. Right. right. Um, but again, it's like, okay, maybe that was occurring, but, but this was clearly not the right way to go about it. No, definitely not. And like, it's so there's just, it's just so fascinating, you know, how people's minds work and what drives you to decide that that's a good idea. I'll never forget the day that that happened. Um, the president of my production company is a black man from the South side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we were in the office that morning and the news broke and he immediately <laughs> turned around and he goes, that shit didn't happen. <laughs> wow. Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. He was like, that didn't happen. Um, he's from there, you know, Chicago, like, you know, the original claim was, you know, two white guys shouting about Trump nonsense, beat him up and that all that with the noose and the bleach and the stuff. And and I just will never forget it. He was like, this shit never happened. Um, and lo and behold, here we are. (laughs) I, I made this joke on Twitter the other day, but you know, when I was coming up, there are certain movies that you, you, that, that tended to be very badly misunderstood by its audience. Um, yeah. American Psycho is one of them. Oh, yeah. Um, Fight Club. Yeah. Especially, especially the movie version of Fight Club is, is terribly, terribly misunderstood. I think there's a lot of folks, uh, and I'll make a broad generalization. I think it's mostly dudes who watched Fight Club and thought, yeah, I want to be Brad Pitt and not 
didn't understand that there's nothing about that movie that is meant to glorify right <laughs> those two characters right. right ed norton brad pitt they're not the good guys that's at not all. who you want to be no. you don't want to be that and if anything else actually and I, I i would give credit to the movie i thought the movie did a really good job of highlighting the absurdity of what these guys are doing yeah. and and the hypocrisy in their claims you know the ed norton character has this idea that he's going to be this uh, nihilist but he's a, his imaginary self his imaginary friend is like the picture perfect man right. right with abs on abs like he's the he's the picture of vanity right and so like if you understand that nuance it's very obvious that it's a satire of sorts but mm-hmm. a lot of folks watch that movie and they want to start their own fight clubs and what have you. And it just, you know, it just, it, it, instead of um, being a cautionary tale of what we now call toxic masculinity, it became a fuel for it in some regard. Totally. I feel like Gone Girl. Oh God. Which was also made into a movie by David Fincher, ironically. Yeah. Um, I feel like it, it's sort of in that same vein. And I don't know if David Fincher shares any responsibility in this at all. Maybe he needs to shoot his movies less cool, but, but it, <laughs> It feels like in that same way, and I know, and I'll say this because I'm not making a general comment. I know a person, I used to be friends with them, who uh, even used the word Gone Girl in their uh, or social oh, media yeah. names. Yeah. And they legitimately thought that this was like, yeah, it's a fuck you to all the dudes who have fucked us over. And that they thought that this behavior was perfectly justifiable because no. of the larger issues that have surrounded men being abusive or, or nasty towards women. Right. In the same way that I saw a lot of guys in the 90s and the early aughts, like, look at Fight Club and be like, yeah, fuck your khakis and let's go get in fights <laughs> right. and shit. And right. it's – um, it, 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 <laughs> for, for whatever reason, we haven't highlighted that this is this is not the intention of this yeah. book. Like, these are, these, are, these are not folks you should be emulating. Right. These are not behaviors that are healthy living coping mechanisms Correct. that one should – and in the end of Gone Girl, it, her ending is not – I mean, neither her nor her husband – have a happy ending it's a no. it's just a more fucked up situation where now they're both kind of enslaved to one another yep. in a weird way yep but no, it's, it's like horrible. people it's like people took that book as a as a handbook on how to get back to like get back at dudes or whatever yeah it's not something to aspire to at all either one of those films <laughs> no not at all not at all now with the with the trial coming up I mean, I, I know you've been on this for like a long time, so maybe none of it's new to you. But is there anything that's kind of like popped out at you that that maybe either got overlooked or um, just because of the new context now, now that we're a few years down the line that has made you that is refreshing or new or, or you see a different angle on? Not really at this point. I mean, I have I have followed it really since day one. I mean, I've known Laura since honestly day one. Um no, there's nothing that's really new. I would say that um, in terms of anything that was shocking or unexpected, the when the audio tapes came out, that was a big moment. Um, even though those of us who were sort of deeply ingrained in, in looking at all the evidence and everything already had an idea that that she had lied and, and that Johnny had likely been her victim when those tapes came out, it was like, Oh my goodness, it's, it's worse than you could have even imagined. Yeah. Um, but anything new or, or didn't see coming. No. Um, I would say the only thing that I was shocked by was her, um, insanity 
on the stand in the UK and not even really shocked because by that point we know her sort of her personality and, and, and what she does and that she makes very grandiose claims that she can't back up. Um, but the way that she went really, really, really into a territory that we, you know, I'm just going to say, cause it's the episode that we just did like birds and mashed potatoes and gravy and setting couches on fire and taking a piss all over the house. Like these like insane levels of lies. Yeah. Um, that was something that was surprising to me. And then obviously the, uh, the judgment was surprising. I definitely agree with you when you say like, you wouldn't have been surprised to say, well, I'm not going to be able to find for Johnny because at the time this was the information that they had. And so that's, you know, I accept that they believe this at the time. I think anyone would have accepted that, Mm -hmm. but the judgment going so hard in a way to be actually damaging on completely baseless claims that was definitely shocking um so anyways yeah just i'm sure there will probably be some explosive moments in virginia um i don't want to say that i'm excited about it of course i hope that they all come from johnny's side but i wouldn't put anything past the other side and for shock value anyways you know yeah one of the things that's always that's really come across to me um from her side and and folks who are defenders of her is that they can't simply state something and leave it be. They can't just say he hit me on the state. There is no world in which you could just say that they have to like embellish and embellish and embellish to the point where it's almost comical. It almost feels like a a mustache twirling. That's what I always say. It's like like snidely whiplash in her. Yeah. The Riddler, some crazy, like, you know, if, if, if her came out and said, you know, uh, Depp made me, you know, put me up in a uh, had my best friend and my dog in capsules and I had to choose which one to save. And, right. you know, like just stole a plot from Batman for, uh, forever. Like I yeah. wouldn't surprise me because that's the level of, of um, grand, you know, grand fantasy. illusion that, yeah. yeah. Fantasy that goes around all of these claims. And I, I really feel like that's, that to me has always stood out as the biggest reason why it's hard to believe her claims because she can't, she does not seem to have the capacity to leave well enough alone. No, I totally agree with you. I think, well, there are a couple problems, which is number one, that people to this day do not understand what it is that she claimed, Mm -hmm. you know, because the trial wasn't televised or broadcast and you can't get anybody to read documents, right? Right. So you're running around saying these injuries are impossible, but nobody knows that she said she's been dragged up and down the stairs by her hair like Wilma Flintstone and beaten, knocked out and her teeth rearranged or strangled and punched in the face and broken nose and whatever can't get anyone to read that and understand that it's literally impossible right so there are people that still don't know exactly what it is she claimed so of course they're going well she said he slapped her nah that ain't what she said (laughs) she said she got run over by a train and went on tv the next day you know looking flawless right exactly yeah and and that's in you know and that, that takes us to the next point which is the failing of the media Oh, uh, yes. in, in, oh in the covering of this case. And I mean, there's clearly bias. I mean, that yeah. I don't even think you have to look hard to find that. But but there has, I mean, e- even even from the perspective of bias, the claims are, are clearly stated in articles in such a way that it does leave it very ambiguous. And you look at two people and you see a guy who's had a, um, a career reputation of being a little bit of a bad boy, yeah. right? And you see this person who looks like every um 
you know, picturesque mm-hmm. starlet that you've ever seen. Angelic. You know, she, yeah, she's like the perfect Hitchcock blonde. Yeah. You know, um, terrible actress, but but you that's know. an excellent way to put it. The perfect Hitchcock blonde, absolutely. And and so people just see the visuals of it, and they they hear, oh, a guy beat a woman up, and they're like, yeah, that happens a lot frequently totally. so i okay there it is right there, i, I made my mind banked up. on to be honest i think that she banked on that and i think that if she probably would have just kept her claims to something more less cartoony yeah. yeah like you might have been able to get away with it no, um, it's very scooby-doo the whole of it yes it is it really you know? is it really is but but she can't she can't keep from embellishing and and it sounds like when she's on the stand like even her lawyers are trying to get her to shut up because she just keeps adding oh yeah compulsively and then she just says things for shock value you know she gets up there and says well i heard one time he pushed kate moss down the stairs that's pure media fodder you know that's bait uh right and they run with it a lot of them will run with that stuff you know and then you've got all the the bad actors like uh that eric guy oh yes Mm -hmm. you know all these simps that are like, I don't know if they're friends of hers or she's blowing them or what the what's going on. But like, sorry, no, you. Uh, I'll make my own claims. I'm not whatever, a prove them wrong. Very difficult uh, to offend if you didn't notice that already. But it, it's like I I don't understand. I guess it's hard for me to understand how someone who has no cachet outside yeah. of her a relationship with a famous actor, yeah, who isn't like i mean i guess she's got connections to wealth but that's not her own um how she's been able to manage so much support or is it just a matter of right time right place right person to be to to, for for the times up of the worlds to hitch their wagon to i think it's probably a number of things yes right place right time um secondarily the the elon thing you know being able to get connected to the aclu and and his political affiliations um I think that all of that was helpful. You know, we've seen her with Kamala mm-hmm. and we've seen her on Capitol Hill. You know, I think all of that just adds up into the power that she was able to wield in terms of being able to crush him in the media. Um, and there are other forces at play, I think, in terms of the the media menace against him. If we go back to the lawsuit with his managers, his former business mm-hmm. managers, um, I think that that actually has more to do with it than Amber. I've said it for a long time that I think that they use Amber more as a means to an end than that they actually believe her. You know, if you go through all the, the media nonsense um, that they write about him, I think that it really, it all stems really from one company in particular that owns quite a lot of of the trades. Yeah. Um, You, you won't see, I think the rap is one of the only ones that is not owned by the same conglomerate. So like you won't see the same thing in the rap, right? Like you don't, we remember the Doug Stanhope article, but there's not really trashy articles about Johnny. Right. Right. Um, versus a lot of the other ones that are all under the same umbrella. Uh, so I really feel strongly about that, that that's all intertwined. Yeah. I, I think, th- I think we can see that as well. I and mean, you, you, you see a lot of the same sort of perspectives being shared Um the way things are structured, you can almost count whenever something comes out, like how one publication will present it versus another publication. Um, There's, I mean, and even if you remove any sort of conspiratorial aspect to it, those sites, those sites and those publications, they're, they're clickbait sites. They know that they know that that headline is going to garner them more revenue than stating actual facts and court documents and things of that nature. And so, 
you know, even even if you could set aside that she has any connections to them, which I, I still think she does, yeah. at least tangentially, um, they're clearly the kind of places that are just going to take the salacious headline and run with it. And then not even bother for a retraction or any follow up oh, no. or any nuance or the un, an even and fair look on the other perspective of the claims. Like none of that's going to happen, right? No, They're we just never make saw, their money and go. We never saw any of them run the audio tapes or any of his major evidence. The donations was barely like. I mean, the only thing was um, the Daily Mail. I think, you know, we never, never, not even a blip on the radar as far as any of the trades reporting that stuff, um, which is really shitty. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it goes back to that. What I was saying at the beginning, we feel like we need a win, yeah. even if it's just symbolically like we, like we, you know, if you look at the media and um, you look at the way they've handled everything. Yeah. All these hot button issues that we talked about before. Again, I'm not making any judgment call on which side anyone stands on, but just just looking truly as how they've handled it. Yes. It's so salacious. It's so um, yes. tabloidy and uh it feels like, again, this is symbolic of us just us. And I say us as like a working class folk, you know, the average folk looking at this and saying, God damn it. Can we just please get you know, shove it up the media's ass one time? You yes, know, you just shove it up these celebrity assholes who take a, an important social uh, movement and they twist it for their own narcissistic purposes. Can we just shove it up their ass too? like for sure? I'm a big pro wrestling fan and like yeah. the, the role, the role of a bad guy in pro wrestling is to be so hated that you want to see the good guy shove it up his ass. Right. 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 That's kind of what I feel this is. This is our moment, right? Like this is, we, this is hopefully. It's certainly a large moment for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like we just want to, there's a lot of folks that feel, and I know they get written off as bots or just oh. crazy fan folks or whatever, but it's, I, I don't feel like it's that. And I'm sure you can speak to that as well, but it feels more like normal average working class people just want to feel like for once perhaps there they they there's some semblance of not being railroaded by a system that threw them overboard years ago for sure and i i think a lot of solace has to be taken in the fact that real people real working people who have taken an interest in this know what's what and so it kind of speaks to a larger um narrative of like there are really a lot of normal people everywhere and people who matter know what's what. So what do I mean by that? The media is trash. Mm -hmm. um, but now we've got, we're looking at a lot of lawyers mm -hmm. who have been making comments on this case and they are very clear about what they think is going on, which is in agreement with us. Um, and my, my parents just went to a friend's wedding and they met, um, this woman there that was, who's a, a prosecutor in middle America, I want to say, you know, Louisiana, uh, not Louisiana, um, Indiana, mm -hmm. um, who deals a lot in child abuse cases. And, you know, you just strike up a conversation with whoever's at your table. Um, and of course this came up because they were talking about my podcast, and mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. And she said, Oh my God, I'm obsessed with that case. I'm obsessed with the Johnny Depp case. It's criminally underreported. Um, yes, he was the victim. Yes, you know, she's horrible and, uh, you know, just everything that we always say. But this is coming from a prosecutor who deals in child abuse, which is the most horrendous form of abuse, in my opinion, that you could mm -hmm. ever inflict on just an innocent person. Um, and so that makes you feel good, right? That people who know what they're looking at, know what they're talking about in the legal field are going, oh, yeah, this is really fucked up. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, it validates you, right? Because right. it's easy to question yourself. I, I think I mentioned this during the first time we had a podcast together, which is that when I first heard about it, my very, very initial reaction was, oh, that's so disappointing to hear. That sucks. Right. And you just, you, you are, you are trained to believe women because pre- predominantly women are not uh, heard and, uh, or, and, or their claims are not respected. Sure. and and or follow through with right yes and so that's just your natural reaction and then then you start to see and this is this is why i think it's so important to get as much information out there as possible because you start seeing that info out there and then it's like oh oh this is dark oh this is fucked up this right. is this is very twisted this is this could destroy multiple lives not just one and um and it really turns you on your head a little bit about what your preconceptions are when you go into these very difficult claims oh yeah for sure it's oh yeah it's very difficult (laughs) now for you like you you're obviously this may have become your full-time job temporarily but like you're a filmmaker how much of this is consuming your time uh you mentioned earlier that you were at one point planning a documentary is that something you still want to pursue or do you are you just sort of taking things day by day and getting through the trial first and then reassessing i'm honestly just taking things day by day i have um really sort of focused in on this for now because it's been such a long time and we've come so far, like obviously through the years while this was happening in the background, I still made films and did projects and, and, and other things. Um, but through the last couple of years of the pandemic being stuck home a lot, obviously I got more wrapped up into this situation. The trial happened in the middle of 2020 mm-hmm. last year, still stuck inside quite a lot in LA. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now with the podcast, I, it, it, I have really zoned in on this for the time being. And Right now, I'm just going with the flow. We'll see what happens after the trial. Um, the documentary is sort of a wait and see. Yeah. Right now, um, I would still like to do it, but that it depends on on some other factors. So we'll see when we get there. But besides that, yeah, I have you know plans for other things once this <laughs> is over. You know, as if it goes the way that it should go, um, and it's really over, then you know, it's back to, okay, <laughs> let's go have some fun on a movie set. It feels like, I mean, you know, who you never know. And, and I have zero faith in the American judicial system, nor have I ever really, we've seen people unfairly criminalized and, and in prison all, all across the board many, many times. Um, but I think there is the hope that, that we will get closure. That this I think will, we will. That we will get some semblance of retribution for, um, being abused online for just stating facts, for being uh, attacked, for being classified as monsters ourselves. Yeah, uh, and you, you amongst some have probably been at the forefront of some of the worst of it. And um, I'm sure for you in particular, like uh, so this would provide a sense of closure to it and allow you to kind of move on with knowing that you contributed in some positive way. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I. I am very um, happy with my stance on the situation, right? I am firmly entrenched in my belief on what happened, what didn't happen, and and where I stand. Um, so I'm not bothered really in the least by what people say mm-hmm. online, you, you know, as far as any trolls or whatever happens on Twitter. Um, I'm not bothered on it by it because I know that I'm correct. Yeah. And so it doesn't it doesn't phase me. Um, 
yes, you know, I'm hoping to move on. And I have, I have a lot of optimism. Number one, we're just coming off the Jesse Smollett thing, which is, I think, extremely similar. Mm-hmm. There are obviously different types of circumstances, um, but we're dealing with a very similar personality type. Um, and the lies are so grandiose and just beyond all reason that, you know, you get a jury in there. You have to remember that we're going, the trial is happening in the middle of Virginia, right? It's not happening in LA. It's not happening in New York. Right. Big, um, you know, uh, centers for political correctness and me too. And believe, you know, this is a case that's happening in sort of i don't want to say like the heartland of america or some nonsense but you're going to get a jury of really normal people yeah and i've talked about this before even in la i sat on a on a jury for a misdemeanor domestic violence case last year and people really wanted to give the guy the benefit of the doubt there were a bunch of women on the jury and they really they when we started deliberations they said there i you know they wanted to hear the whole thing and not make any judgment call until the end yes he was guilty there was police body cam Mm -hmm. anyways but um just hearing them express you know what their thoughts were because they were upset about the number of false allegations and how people were unfairly using movements and stuff for their advantage in lying and giving women a bad name that was very uplifting and refreshing to hear so i am an eternal optimist i think that amber's lies are so out of control batshit um, that the jury is going to uh, just be disgusted by it. Yeah, people don't understand this. And I, you know, I live in Los Angeles, and I and I, I love living there most of the time. Um, but it's a right. weird thing when you live on the coast. It's a different world, and um, there's a very much a, a the the sense that you must keep up with the Joneses yes. in your ideology. Yeah, and so it's hard sometimes to get as fair of a um, of a trial or or a, or just even um, an opinion because people feel like they have to toe the line with what everyone else believes. And uh, even if, even if nine, nine, nine times out of 10, that belief is the correct belief. It shouldn't apply unilaterally because there are instances and there are circumstances that deviate from that. So I think it's important um, that, that this is being held in a place that is not so swayed by those, you know, social, um, right. Ideologies, and I think that it will allow people. All I hope, this is all I ever ask, is that people just remove their personal bias and just look at it as as open minded as possible, which is what a trial jury is supposed to do. I totally agree. Yeah, you know, weigh the evidence of facts, weigh weigh it against what your heart tells you, uh, remove whatever what the expectations of society are, look right. at it clearly, and then whatever your reasonable responses and and um, decision is then it is what it is and i think that's that's all we can ask for right it's just a fair trial that's all you can ask for and you know people don't understand i see a lot of stuff online about like well this is to influence the jury or this is um you know i hope that the jury sees this or whatever the jury is going into a situation they are literally there to see every ounce of evidence right it doesn't matter what's written in the comment section of tmz that's not no They're going there to see every ounce of actual real evidence. And it's, you know, you're given instructions by the judge on what it is that you're to rule on and how you're to think about things and and what it is that's at stake. Um, And, you know, it's it's not it's not supposed to be an emotional exercise. It's an exercise in logic. Right. So 
that's why the, the, the symbol that we use for justice in the justice system is blind with right. a scale. Correct. Right. Um, so, you know, much of this discourse tends to happen, as you alluded to, in message boards and on Twitter. And those are the worst places on earth the worst. generally to have a reasonable conversation. But so I, I think it's important that the work that you're doing, because you're, you're taking it off that platform um, and you're you're presenting it in an audio uh, medium that allows folks to listen to what the situation is in a way that is removed from the trolls and the commenting and the 140 characters limit and all that other, you know, all the other limitations that social media offers for those folks who are listening to this and maybe haven't been following us closely, or they want to learn more, or they just want to re-educate themselves um, before the trial starts in about a month. What's what's let's talk about the podcast again. Where can they find you? When do y'all post all that good stuff so that they can educate themselves to the best of their ability? Yeah, so the podcast is called Movie Myths and Monsters. Um, you can look it up on basically any major podcast website, Apple, Google, Spotify, all that. Um, our logo is a little Grim Reaper friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, the, like I said earlier, the podcast started out as something different, and then we did this series. Um, and also on Twitter, at MythNMonsters, uh, where we post the audio files and then a follow-up thread of all the documents that we've used to make our points, all of the, the court documents and testimonies from London, etc. cetera. Uh, you can find there. And yeah. Well, I think it's great work. And I think, Thank I think you. it's really important to take it off those social media platforms, but also circle back to it so that people can find it. Cause you know, for all the negativity that we can say about social media, it does provide a roadmap to quickly find things. Sure. Yeah. And um, if, if by doing, you know, if by having a Twitter account that posts links and posts links to the audio will drive folks off of that shithole of a platform onto a medium that allows an honest conversation to be had between you and Laura, then that's a good thing. Right. And then hopefully that opens people's eyes. And regardless of the intent of the, of the podcast name, movies, myths and monsters does seem to sum up the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial it pretty does, damn well. It, it does fit, funny enough. Yes, it does fit. So, it is kind of... Uh, there's a little bit of serendipity there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Jax, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on and sharing your perspectives, your thoughts. I, I, I urge people to listen to your podcast. I think you all, you and Laura do great, great work. Um, I think that it's really important to get truth out there and facts out there and, and let people decide for themselves, remove from all the bias that they see in the tabloids and social media and all that. So I thank you for your work. Um, hopefully we get the conclusion that we hope is the right one and we can all go on to do other more fun stuff that is a little less taxing in our time. Could not agree more, but thank you, Dave. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I know we've become good friends too, through this whole process as local LA filmmakers, but exactly. um, No, thank you so much for having me back on and thank you for all those kind words. I really appreciate it. And, glad to be here and I'm, I'm glad to have met you through this shitstorm. <laughs> likewise like we'll find the silver linings through it all absolutely awesome well thank you so much and have a wonderful day all right you too see you later i would like to thank Jax once again for coming on the show and being such a great host i mean um to speak with such passion to speak with such integrity uh, is a rarity these days in any platform and so for her to come on board and share her perspectives and break things down for us and show why she believes that in the case of Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard, that Johnny Depp is in fact the one who was abused and not the other way around. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, that's not a popular narrative in the mainstream. And it's understandable why. I mean, if you look at historically, and we talk about in the podcast, historically, women are 
oftentimes and predominantly the ones who are the abused at the hands of men. And that's a, a crime in and of itself, and it's disgusting and disturbing. And it's easy to go along with the idea that this side is good and this side is bad, but life is often complicated and nuanced. And this is one of those particular instances where perhaps what we know to be the usual doesn't apply. I think when you look at the evidence that is presented uh, with an open mind and an open heart, it's hard to see it from any other way than that Amber Heard is a narcissist grifter who is taking advantage of a movement that's aimed to amplify the voices of a marginalized group for her own benefit, whether it's for fame or ego or revenge or money or some other alternative reason, it seems very apparent to a lot of folks, myself included, that uh, she is the perpetrator of violence in this instance and and not the other way around. And it, it makes me think of a larger point wherein there are certain things, and I've noticed this in the last five to six years in particular, but we have become a highly ideologically, emotionally based society. And this is not throwing shade or casting blame. It's been a hard few years between uh, the Trump presidency and the pandemic and the war in Ukraine and Black Lives Matters. And there's just been one thing after another that has captivated our attentions, but also really strained our emotions. These are tough topics to tackle. And so I don't really blame anyone for having a, a, an emotional response to something, especially if you have a, a rooted history in whatever the topic may be. Um, I know I can feel that way oftentimes, and I know that I did feel that way in this case, but I think it's so important, and, and I think this is what came to mind with me. It's, it's very important to, while it's natural to feel an emotional initial response, that we have to set that aside to some degree and look at whatever presenting facts are available, whatever presenting reason is available um, and I'll take it outside of the world of domestic violence because that's a very sensitive subject. But like, look at the war in Ukraine. There are folks on either side claiming this, that, or the other. And uh, really, at the end of the day, what really should matter, no matter what political stance you may have, no matter what political party you may belong to, that there are innocent people who are dying. And that's a tragedy. And that should never happen. In my opinion, frankly, war is never justifiable. And war is never okay. War leaves destruction. There's a famous term, war is hell, and there's a reason for that. And I think whenever these emotional responses come up, uh, we have to ask ourselves, siding with one side or the other, and blindly following, and blindly accepting a narrative, and ignoring historical evidence, and ignoring some of the complicated facts, does that ultimately benefit us? In the case of the Ukraine, if we enter into a war with Russia and we invoke some sort of World War III scenario, is that ultimately what we want for the world? I mean, I think what we all want is peace. And I'm not saying there's one best way to achieve it or not. All I'm asking is for us to set aside our emotions, our emotional responses, to set aside the narratives that are being you know, blasted into our ears from both sides, all sides, everywhere around. It becomes overwhelming. Set that stuff aside. Read to the best of your knowledge discern the truth from the bias, from the spin, and make the best decision that you can make for where you land on a scenario. Sometimes there is no one spot. Sometimes you may feel part of one way about this part of the subject and another way about the other part of the subject. Maybe the way to a peaceful resolution, regardless of what the topic is, 
is not even being talked about. Maybe it's for you to come up with or to share or to pontificate. I don't have all the answers and nor would I ever suggest that I do or that anyone does. But I think it's very important that we try to find our own truth in whatever these emotional stories uh, are. It's difficult. It's hard. It's easy to just say, oh, I think this, so I will follow this. But in a world full of followers, in a world full of non-playable characters, let's uh, let's try to stand on our own two feet and formulate our own ideas and our own emotions and let reason and and uh, guidance and, and intelligence and facts guide us as much as our emotions. I'm not saying put your emotions aside. I'm just saying let's strike a balance between the intellect and the heart. And so with that being said, I, I know these are trying times still. But I I thank you all for taking a little time to listen to this podcast. I hope that in some way, maybe it helps bring a reprieve from the drama and the stresses and the terrors of the world. Um, If nothing else, it does for me. So I thank you for that. And I thank you for listening. And until next time, gold rings on you all.